What's up, guys? How we doing? It is definitely the end of the year. That's what I'm hearing right now. My name is Ernie. Welcome to Salt Company. We're excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. I'm Church Plan Canada for 2021. We'd love to talk to you about your future in 2021 or where you're going with me. Uh, hopefully in the future. We'd love for that to happen. But uh, we're in the second part of our series, The Art of Worry. And if you were with us last week, you remember we talked about uh, what Jesus said in Luke 12, how he gave us four reasons why we shouldn't worry. And then he gave us the cure, which was to seek the kingdom of God. If you didn't hear that, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that because this message is going to make a whole lot more sense because they're connected. And this week, we're going to be talking about what does it look like to seek the kingdom of God in order to erase worry from our life? What does it look like to eradicate worry and anxiety and all those things that we feel regularly about, small things and big things? What does it look like for it to disappear? And I, I decided to go, okay, well, we're going to see what Scripture has to say in, in Philippians 4 in a few minutes. But I was like, I wonder what like, good old Google is going to give me, right? Like, how do I deal with stress? And I came across this amazing gem after digging, uh, 10 ways, 10 things to buy to help you deal with your stress. And I thought I'd pull up a couple of these things. Here's one of them that I thought was really awesome. It's called the uh, HypnoCube Animated LED Cube. Okay, you got this thing up here. Yeah, that thing right there, you're like, what is that thing? All it is is a bunch of LED lights that change colors over and over and over again. And you can get it for the cheap price of $100. And how you use it is this, is that when you're really stressed at work, you just pull that box out, which is about this big, and you just turn it on, and you just stare at it, and just become, just start, just start numbing your mind to what's happening. You just kind of zone out for a little while. You know, and then when you zone back into what you're supposed to do, you won't be worried anymore. That's what they say is going to happen. I was like, oh, that already sounds like YouTube or uh, many of the other distractions like social media that we have. Or this is my personal favorite right here, the desk punching bag. Yeah. Could you imagine carrying this thing around you with you, right? Like you go to a review tomorrow with your teacher and you're just like, as she's talking through this stuff, a little bit distracting, but they're saying, hey, if you're a stressed out person and you just need physical activity, it may be a great idea to just have a punching bag on your desk. I mean, imagine going to a job interview and seeing that thing at somebody's desk. They're like, yeah, so tell me about your skills. Okay. I was like, I don't think so. Another one was this EM Wave 2 thing. I don't have a picture of it, but it's the EM Wave 2 pitch. And what it is, it basically just connects to your heartbeat so you can tell when you're really stressed out as if you needed them to tell you that, right? <laughs> right? Like, oh, but your heartbeat's going up. Yeah, I know. I feel it. It's in my chest. I know what's happening right there. And, and this is the last one we're going to look at. And, and if you're thinking about buying Ernie a Christmas gift, this is what I would like for you to buy me. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? The body massage mat. Mm-hmm. If you got a couple extra bucks in your pocket, a couple, two, three hundred dollars, I would love this for Christmas, okay? And how the application, they're saying, hey, when you feel stressed out, just roll that sucker out wherever you are, lay down and get a quick massage. Again, I'm thinking about you in finals, right? You're taking a test. I don't know answer 13. Oh my gosh, if I could just relax, I could, if I could just relax, then I could think. Roll that mat out, plug it in, and just lay on down right there. I'm sure no one will think that was odd. You know, and I'm sure that's how we gonna help a lot. But one thing that I realized as I was looking through all the solutions that you can find on good old Google about how to deal with your stress, your worry, and your anxiety, is that it all dealt with the symptom of your issues, right? Every single one of the things was dealing with the symptom, whether it was medication, whether it was so many other things. And some of us, medication is the answer because we do have, there's something chemically happening within us. And then thank God to science and medicine to help correct that within our bodies. But for many of us, it, for many situations, it's just medicating ourselves or it's getting ourselves busy and zoning out or punching things or 
are just dealing with the symptoms. But the thing that we're going to look at in Philippians 4, as Paul talks to us, is he talks about how seeking the kingdom of God actually deals with the heart of the issue. It doesn't just deal with the problems that you see or feel or dealing with at that moment, but it actually deals with the root, the heart issue of what's happening. So we're going to flip to Philippians 4. I'd love for you to join us. If you've got a Bible like this, we're going to be on page 667. All right, you can find it right there, Philippians 4, page 667. But before we jump in, let, let's pray. Let's go to the Lord, right? Uh, let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to read your word, to respond to it. God, I just ask that we would just drop our guard, our guard to you today, that we'd open ourselves up and we'd say, God, please do work on us, that we'd be honest with ourselves, and Lord, that we would apply our lives to what it's saying, that we just don't want to take little nuggets to add to what we're already doing, but God, we'd say, what's out of line, what needs to be in line, and we would align ourselves with what Scripture says about us and what we should be about. We pray this all in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Okay. Chapter four, verse four. So we're going to start. We're going to read a couple of verses and then we're going to talk about it. We're going to read a couple more and we're just going to work through this passage just this way. Why? Because even though we're talking through a topical thing like worry, you're going to notice at Salt Company, we're always talking about scripture and scripture is always the base for everything that we do. And so verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The first thing Paul tells us right here about how to deal with worry, how to seek the kingdom, to seek the kingdom through a discipline of rejoicing. In verse four, he says what? He gives a commandment. He says it twice. Rejoice in the Lord. In fact, he says rejoice in the Lord always. It's a command to rejoice. And this is something that's just unique to this passage. In fact, in the Bible, it says over 233 times, it commands us to rejoice in the Lord. And when you hear that, it's kind of a crazy thing. You're like, why? Why are you telling me to be happy? Why are you telling me to have joy in my life? Listen to me. It's actually an amazing thing if you think about it. Because how amazing is our God that he insists on his people being filled with joy? Like, just think about that. How amazing is our God that he insists so much that he commands us. And not only does he command us to be joyful, but he also re reveals himself as the solution to where our joy can be found. Rejoice in what? In your friends? Rejoice in your homework? Absolutely not. No, rejoice in the Lord. He says, look to me. That's what he desires is that we would live. I believe that absolutely God is calling us and wants us to live joy-filled lives. And the source of our joy is found in the Lord. And, and, and if we look for it in anything else, we're not gonna find it. Many of you experience Worry-filled lives because you seek joy in the wrong place. You seek life in the wrong place and it can't deliver and it brings about worry and anxiety in your life. But, if it, but because it's in Jesus, it can only be found. In fact, I think the natural response to us being around Jesus should be joy in our life. Now, before we get too far, I kind of want to describe the difference between what joy is and happiness. Because we use those sometimes interchangeably, but I don't think they are the same thing. When I think about happiness, I think about happenings. Okay, yesterday, many of you were much happier than you were today. Why? Because the sun was out, right? And that was nice. And then today it was very cloudy and it was like, ooh, it's kind of nasty today, right? Happiness has to do with circumstance, what happens with us. Joy is found in something much deeper than your circumstance. Joy supersedes whatever circumstance you're in at that moment. Joy is something that's deep within us. It's found in something deeper. And see, the thing about joy that's different from happiness is you can be joyful in the midst of sorrow. In fact, Paul in Romans says several times, he says, hey, be joyful, but be always rejoicing, but always sorrowful. 
He says, be joyful, but always sorrowful. There's gonna be moments in your life where joy and sorrow go back to, go together at the same time. But that doesn't happen with happiness. Happiness is just something that happens because of what's going on. But joy is something much deeper, something much greater. And our joy that's found in the Lord, we can have joy even in the moments of sorrow because of the amazing promises that God has given us that cause joy in our life. And these promises supersede any situation you could bump into in a minute. I wanna, I wanna read some of these amazing promises that God has given us, all right, you ready? The promise of eternal life. That's the first one. Did you know that? For us that are following Jesus, 1 John 2, 25 says this, and this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life, that God gives us eternal life and through his son, Jesus Christ, and our belief in him brings about that and no one can take that away. Or, or this one right here, the promise of being part of a family. Galatians 4, verses six through seven says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That God doesn't just say, hey, I want you to spend eternity in my land in heaven, but I want you to spend it as a son, as a daughter, as a part of my family. That's a promise that God gives us. That's an amazing blessing right there. Here's another one. The promise that I'm loved by God. God. Look at, look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. And you're going to find so many scriptures. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Romans 5, 8, that he loved us, that he died for us, not because we were righteous, but when we were sinners and enemies of him. God, the promise that God loves us us, and it has nothing to do with what you or I bring to the table just because he chooses to. Or this one, the promise that God would give us strength, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Or the promise that he would never leave us or forsake us. Look at, look at verses, uh, Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, especially at the end of 5, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the Great Commission, he says, hey, I behold, I'm with you always to the ends of the ages. These are amazing promises. We have so much to rejoice over, so much to celebrate. And we can sometimes, I just admit, just be this way, like chicken little. I get so worked up over silly things. You know what the silly thing I was worried about today? So none of you, you probably not even be able to relate to this because it's so ridiculous. But it's so silly, like I love college football, I love LSU football, and guess what? And like next week is like early signing period, and I found myself worried about if some 17-year-old was gonna commit to LSU to play football. How silly is that, to worry about that? Sometimes me and my wife would get fights about how the towels are set up or the rooms arranged, and that would be something that would actually worry us and give us anxiety. And what happens is so many times that we get caught up in these things that are right in front of us that cause worry and anxiety in our life that we begin to have really bad math. And 100 million blessings from God plus one thing to worry about equals one thing to worry about. And that's bad math. And we forget all the things that God's given us. We lose track of all these blessings. And here's the reality. Sometimes for some of us in this room, you're like, Ernie, my thing isn't a small thing. It's a big thing. It's not me worrying about some dumb thing that a 17-year-old, it's not me worried about what I have to eat later on. It's something, it's much greater. Like it's words like cancer. It's words like divorce. It's losing a family member. 
There's extreme moments of suffering in your life that you're going through. And in those moments, sometimes it can bring you to to the pit of despair where you feel hopeless, where you're filled with fear and anxiety and you wonder, is this all it's ever gonna be? But God's word tells us even in those moments, as deep and as awful as they are, his grace goes even deeper still and can bring about joy in your life. That there's not a single moment in your life that you can say, this is hopeless. Look at what Peter says to a group of people that are suffering in chapter five, verses seven through 10. He says this, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Peter said, what? He said, cast all your anxieties on God. Why? Because he cares for you. He says, even though in verse eight, he says, even though be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary is a devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Listen to what Peter said. He said, even though you may be in the worst suffering in the worst pit of your life, even though Satan is roaming around like a lion looking to devour everyone he can, even though he feels like it cannot get any worse at this moment, the God of all grace who called you to eternal life says what? He will himself restore, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. He will be the one that will lift your weary head and your droopy shoulders and breathe life into you again and give you hope again and show you mercy again and bring about joy in your life because of who he is. And I know it because of God's word says it and I know because I've experienced it. I remember about two years ago, me and Laura got news that we were having a third child. And I knew it was our third child and, and, and us being busy and all these things. I was like, hey, you go to the first doctor's checkup. I'll catch the next one. Really excited, recorded the heartbeat. I want to hear it. I remember texting her, being like, hey, how'd it go? Not getting a response. Then getting a text message from a friend that says, you need to go home right now. And I show up at home and I find my wife crying bawling her eyes out because they couldn't find the heartbeat. I remember weeping. I remember mourning. I remember being so upset and feeling like I'm missing someone that I never even met yet. I also remember in the midst of that, that me and my wife made a decision that instead of turning towards the morning and turning towards the upset and just being buried in that pit, that we turned towards the Lord and made a decision at that very first moment, the first few moments, to pray and give thanks to God for the many blessings that he have and the truth of that, that he is good. And in the midst of that time, I felt we knew God drew near to us. 
We saw him show love to us through the community that was around us, that cared for us and mourned with us. We heard the truth of his word say over and over and over that he was good. Even in the midst of that loss, God brought about peace. See guys, in moments like that in your life, you don't need a desk punching bag. You need the presence of your creator. You need him to draw near and you need to seek the kingdom. Why? Because when you draw near, you see the end game. You see the future that's waiting for you. See, look, when we look at the word of God, what it shows us is the end of what happens. And at the end of all things, God brings all things together. Revelation 21 verses three through four tells us this. Look at this. It's the most be beautiful scripture. Ever. It says, behold, the dwelling place. He's talking about what is gonna happen at the end of all things. He says this, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall shall there be mourning nor crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That there is going to be a time, guys, when I see that child and it will not be in a broken, messed up world. It will be in the presence of God and a place where justice and mercy reigns. And because my future is anchored in that hope and the reality that even though I experience pain now, God will work it for my good and I can celebrate what is going to happen. I can be lifted up out of the pit of despair and I can walk in joy of Christ even in the midst of suffering because I know this is true and a punching bag will never do that for me. Either will a massage mat, even though I want one, all right? So I need to practice, we need to practice the discipline of remembering and rejoicing in God even when it's not easy. Even when it's not easy. Paul continues, he said, here's something else too. This is how you seek the kingdom. He says, verse six, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. What did he say? He said, we seek the kingdom through prayer. We seek the kingdom through prayer. He uses a bunch of words for prayer. He says petition and thanksgiving and request. These are all a bunch of words to say the same thing. And Paul's saying, hey, you need to pray a lot. That's why he's saying all this, pray a lot. Why? Because prayer replaces worry in a believer's life. Is that not what he said? Look at verse six. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer. Pray in everything, pray. See, it's not enough that he just removes those things, but he places something in its place. He gives us something to hold on to. He says, pray, pray. And when we pray, the result is what? The peace of God that surpasses all knowledge shows up in our lives. The peace of God that surpasses all knowledge, the peace that we actually experience with, of, from God. He's not talking about that we would be at peace with God. If you're a follower of Christ, you're already at peace with God. But the peace, the presence of God would be experienced, the peace that surpasses all understanding, that no matter what mo moment you're at, that where joy even seems impossible, where it seems so dark, where it seems like I can't get through it, I'll never be happy. God says, hey, I have peace that surpasses all knowledge. And when we pray, what we're doing is we're going to the person that can actually do something about our situation. You understand that, right? 
Like when we pray, what we are saying is, God, we're inviting him into our worries. We're inviting him into our issues. And when we do that, peace happens. And when you do that and peace comes into your life, people look at your life and they don't have categories to understand what's happening. Like how, how can you have peace and joy in this? I remember before me and Laura got married, we went and got premarital counseling and we did it with this particular guy that focused on missionary couples. And that's because we got, we got married April 10th, 2010, whoop, whoop, woohoo. Exciting, that date, okay? We're at about 10 years this April, it's really exciting. And, uh, and so we got, but we got married April 10th and then like May 1st, we left to lead a team of like 18 college students for eight weeks in Prague. Talk about like putting your marriage through the fire. And our boss was like, hey, we should probably get you somebody that would really help you with this because you living with 18 people for the second month of your marriage, probably not the wisest thing, but we're gonna do it. So we're just gonna get you, we're gonna help you out here. And so we were meeting with this guy and his name was Bill and he was incredible. And we were really excited to meet with him. We had six sessions and on the fourth, after the fourth one, we were going to meet him for the fifth. And, and uh, on our way there, we found out that he had passed away and that died of a heart attack in his office. And we were marked, like, we, we were like, we already loved this man. We cared deeply about him because he had already done so much for us. And we were mourning the fact that like, no, the world's gonna miss him. And we remember going to his funeral and just the hundreds of people that were there that he had a mark on their life. And I remember standing in line in a place like this and the wife at the end of the reception, and me and Laura, like, like I, I, we couldn't imagine being in her place because Bill wasn't that old. Like Bill just got done taking his daughter the week before on a trip to go see a bunch of college universities to figure out which way she was gonna, where she was going to college. And she was the oldest daughter. He had three daughters. And we're just watching this woman who has to talk to all these people. And me and Laura are both thinking, man, this has got to be torture for her. Like, probably all, she doesn't want to talk to us. Probably all she wants to do is just mourn with her family. Like, could you imagine the difficulty of what she's going through at that moment? Like, not only does she, she has to care for her children who lost a dad, and now she's got to figure out how to mourn her husband. And now she's a single parent. And how many times she's thinking about weddings and all this other stuff? Like, the last thing she wants to do is talk to us. I could just feel that. I know that's probably true. And as we get closer and closer and closer, we begin to see that she's different than most people. Because even though her eyes are red from crying, her smile is so big. And we go up to her and we're like, hey, we tell her who we are. And she just grabs both of us and immediately just cuts us off. She says, love each other well for as long as you have. And then she begins to encourage us. And she's like, I'm okay. Jesus is good. My husband is in heaven. I will see him again. He's not in any pain. God will take care of me. And I'm like, what in the world is that? You know what that is? That's the peace of God. That surpasses all understanding. There's no reason for that lady to be feeling except for the joy that she has in Christ, that she's found in the promises of God, that she rejoices in over and over and over again, the truth of what would happen at the end. That is joy that cannot be conquered by any pit. And she has it because she found it in Christ, not something else, not her husband, not her family. She found it in Christ. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And you know what Paul says in this verse? He says that surpassing, that, 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 that peace that surpasses all knowledge, 
He says it's a guard, right? Look at it. He says, the, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That word guard is a military term that implies that peace stands on duty to keep out anything that would bring out worry and anxiety in your life. What an incredible promise to take advantage of. What an incredible thing God gives us that in the darkest moments that if we cling to the word of God and trust in his instruction, that peace that we can't understand is waiting there for us. And this is so often, I, I've not only seen it in big situations, I've seen it in so many situations in my life. So many times Laura will come up to me and my wife and she'll be like, she'll just be frantic, she'll be upset, she'll be biting. I'm like, Laura, you need to go talk to Jesus right now. Like, put down the laundry, go have a quiet time, pray and talk to God about what you're worried about. And she comes out, she's like, oh, yes. And I've done it too. I told you a story, remember? Chevy Chase Christmas story, my life. Kid throws up on the Thanksgiving table. what I do? I'm walking laps outside in a blizzard, okay? What am I doing in that moment? I'm praying, I'm talking to God. I'm going, this is what's happening, Lord. Okay, let's talk. And here's the thing, I don't want you to get this idea. It's not this Instagram beautiful moment. Sometimes guys, when we bring our stuff to God, it's ugly, it's snot filled, it's tears. It's on the ground on our face. It's yelling, it's moments of honesty, but it's a battle to fight for the peace of God. By bringing our stuff to God, it's a battle to fight going, I'm gonna believe your truths more than the voices in my head. It's a battle. The last thing Paul shares with us is this. This is how we keep, we seek the kingdom of God. Verse eight, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. We seek the kingdom by renewing our lives. He says, meditate on these things. Dwell. In fact, the, the, the CSB says, dwell in these things. Like live in this place. It's just another word for meditate. He's like, meditate. Think about these things. What is he saying? Think about the things what, that are true, meaning that are valid and honest and reliable. Think about things that are honorable, meaning worthy of respect. Think about things that are right, referring to just and things that are upright. Think about what's pure, denoting like cleanliness. It connotes moral purity. Think about things that are lovely, meaning things that are agreeable, that are pleasing. He goes, think about these things. And when I say meditate, I don't mean just like silently sit there and go, um, think about flowers, think about puppies, happy things, just think happy thoughts, bring about happy life. No, he's talking about the truth of scripture, this truth of God, of who he is, the promises that are there, the things that he's offered us and promised to us. He says, think about these things. When you think about meditating on things, think about it like this, okay? Because it's not, um, it's think about it like this. Think about it, it's like you're setting your mind to chart a course in that direction. And if you set your mind to chart a course in the direction of things that are true, that are honorable, that are pure, that are right, that are lovely, okay, it's going to lead you in a different place than when you set your mind on the things that are opposite of that, right? Because that's typically what we do. We don't set our mind on the things that are true. We set our mind on the lies that we hear over and over and over again, that you're a piece of crap or that the reason why you have all these problems is you and you're the problem. You always have this problem and you always be sick and it'll always be these things in your life. You set your mind on these lies or you set your mind on things that are not honorable, but dishonorable. You occupy your brain with things that are, they're not right and pure and lovely. That's what I do. 
Don't you think that has an effect on you? When we meditate those things over and over and over and over and over again, when we set our minds, set our life in that direction, what are we going to produce? More of those things. But we set our mind on the things of God. Does it not produce something differently? Of course it does, because the things we set our mind on, guys, that's the way the body moves. See, meditating is something, meditating on these things is meant to, mean, meant to move to action. It's meant to move to a way that we live differently, right? Isn't that what he says in verse? In verse 9, he says, do what you have learned. Do is an action. He's telling you to do something. He said, do what you have learned. What is he telling him to do? Yeah, I love the way that Paul says it. He says this. He says, what you have learned and what you've received and what you've heard and seen in me, practice these things. Make it a practice to live your life as if God's promises are true. To live your life in dependence upon God through prayer. Make it a practice. Do it again and again. You know what practice is? Anybody ever play sports? Anybody dance? Anybody do anything? Like you do it again and again and again and again and again. You don't just do it once. See, some of us are like, Ernie, I've already tried that. I prayed once and I felt good for the moment, but then solved my problem the next day. I tried rejoicing for an afternoon and it worked maybe for a second, but then I felt bad the next day. Could you imagine if you and I's football team said, as they go to go play this playoff game on Saturday in football and they go, we practiced once. We did it once. What would you say about them? Probably the same thing you say right now. I don't care. Um, you should. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> but when you look at them and be like, they're not committed. They don't care. They don't really believe in what they're doing. If they really believed in what they were doing, they would practice more. They would work harder. Can it be said about us that we give up so quickly on this? that we don't fight for it, that we don't battle for it. Guys, I guarantee you that team, your team, your football team has been practicing their whole life for this game. They've run countless routes. They've ran through plays countless times. They've worked on their, footlets, their footsteps, for their, their footwork for hours and hours and hours. They practiced blocking for hours, tackled for hours, hours and hours and hours. Why? Because they went to win. Paul's looking at us and saying, practice these things. Keep doing it over and over and over again. Because some of you right now are going, hey, I'm going to try it once. And if it doesn't work, that's the problem. And I'm going to stop doing it. I'm going to say, no, no, no. Do it over and over and over and over again. Practice rejoicing in God today. Practice praying towards them. Practice renewing your mind and focusing on the things that, he, that he's calling us instead of the other things. Do that today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day, and every day till Jesus comes back. Are you dying, me? The second thing is this. Don't wait. Some of you are going, oh, after finals, I'll get there. When I have Christmas break and like all my responsibilities are done, I'll start doing that. No, you won't. You'll just put it off till the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. 
Start the discipline of rejoicing in Jesus tonight as we worship him. Start the discipline of bringing your anxieties to him and laying them at his feet tonight. Start the discipline of focusing on the things that he has promised and given tonight. Set your course of your mind in that direction tonight. Start it now. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to read your word. God, thank you in all these things in our life that we don't just say, you just haven't said to us, well, good luck, you're on your own, figure it out. But God, you've, you've spoken to these areas of our life. You've spoken to the worry, anxiety. You're not, you're not indifferent to what we're going through. You're not like, oh, it'll be better one day. But God, that you actually desire for us to experience joy at this moment not to be in a place of worry and anxiety and stress. And so, Lord, I just ask as we can press in to those things, Lord, that we would press in and rejoice in all that you've given us. We remember the goodness and we'd celebrate you greatly. And, Lord, that we would also pray regularly, bringing our issues to you, bringing the things that we're worried about. And, Lord, we would set our minds to the things that are true, right, lovely, and pure, and honorable, and stop setting our mind on the things that aren't that are actually destructive to us. Lord, we love you and we wanna live joy-filled lives, God. We don't wanna live lives enslaved to worry and stress and anxiety. And so, Lord, let us find freedom in you. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. Amen.